Hey there, architecture enthusiast. Nikita Reed here, inviting you on an incredible journey through time and space with my podcast, Tangible Remnants. Historic preservation and sustainability? Let's go ahead right now and debunk the myth that they are opposites. In fact, they are two sides of the same coin, shaping our collective future. In a work environment, it has been challenging because I've had to probably do more than double just to make sure that I quote unquote fit in. But the environments that have allowed me to do me on the front end, I've been extremely successful. You look at all these PhDs, they've built that on the backs of our elders. Absolutely. What they consider themselves to be experts at is what they've worked with us to achieve. I know we have to. We have to prioritize people before products and before place. Join me as we unravel the stories of historic buildings shaped by the people of a specific era and often influenced by race and gender. These tangible remnants are windows into our past and guideposts for the future. Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe now to Tangible Remnants. Let's explore the interconnectedness of architecture, preservation, sustainability, race, and gender. Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to a new series here at She Builds Podcast that we are calling She Builds Charettes. Yes, on these charrettes or mini episodes, we'll talk more about certain topics, make major announcements, conduct interviews. Basically, She Builds Charettes will be our playground for things outside our typical format. Right. So no need to worry. We are still doing our regular show. But for some background, for those who might not know, A charrette in architecture is a quick design competition. The word charrette in French translates to cart or chariot. And the competition is called that because there was a cart that would come around the studio at the end of the competition and you had to get your project on the cart before it left the studio. Or else you fail. Mm -hmm. Yep. So as they had to get their stuff on that cart, we are going to get on with this show. So if you didn't know, it's your girl, Jessica Rogers out of Washington, D.C., joined by my fellow co-hosts and besties. Nerdity Rivas in Houston, Texas. And Lizzie Rar coming to you from San Francisco. And now to introduce our first speaker and guest, Anna Lewis. Woo! Hi, guys! Yay! Ah! So excited to be here today. Yes. Okay. so for some background, Anna M. Lewis is an award winning toy inventor, author and creativity advocate, author of award winning book, Women of Steel and Stone, 22 Inspirational Architects, Engineers and Landscape Designers, City Doodle Chicago and several children's magazines. Anna encourages students to think creatively in her author presentations and in classes that she teaches and through her company Idea Splash. Anna currently lives in Illinois with her wildly creative family and Lucy, an old English sheepdog, who patiently piles tennis balls at Anna's feet while she writes. Welcome, Anna! Yay, thank you! Yay! Woo! So excited! <laughs> yeah, we're really excited to talk to you, Anna, because your book has been such a huge resource for us and our show. So let's introduce the book a bit more before we get started. Good idea. 
Women of Steel and Stone is an amazing book that features 22 thoroughly researched and engaging profiles of architects, engineers, and landscape designers. Reading the stories, you learn about these groundbreakers' strengths, interests, challenges, and achievements throughout their life. Their biographies stress hard work, perseverance, and creativity, inspiring a new generation of girls in STEM fields, as well as just about anyone. On top of the amazing history, the book also covers some of the celebrated architects and engineers working today, which basically describes what we at She Builds Podcast are all about. Exactly. So as I said before, we love the book. So Anna, tell us what got you interested in this topic and what inspired you to write a book about this. Well, I was working with my editor at Chicago Review Press, and they have a series called Women in Action. And I, um, my background is I am a product designer. So I was trying to think what women of action could I write about? And I started uh, researching, thinking, because I'm a product designer. Um, I also studied architectural history. So I thought, oh, women engineers and women architects. And I Googled it at the time and I found the top 100 uh, architects and two of those were women out of that group. Um, they've since changed the, the list, but um, I looked at that and said, whoa, that does not sound right. So I started looking for some women architects and I was amazed by what I found. And it upset me that people didn't know about them. I had never heard about them. So I presented to my editor to do um, women architects, engineers, and landscape designers, which kind of made a good round um, topic to discuss. Um, and my dad ran an architect. Uh, engineering firm in Cincinnati for about 50 years. Um, and I worked with him a lot. So um, I kind of was grew up in the engineering field, more or less. That's so amazing that the project is so close to your heart and what you decided to do to put something in the world that wasn't there yet. Sounds familiar. Yes, I was going to say it sounds similar to why we started this podcast. So we can definitely relate. <laughs> Oh, exactly. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes me wonder, like, who's putting these lists together? Uh, like, yes. how could it be that there's only two out of 100 ladies? I mean, out of 100 people that are ladies. Yeah. Just makes well, no sense. sense. You, I think you kind of hit upon the fact that a lot of the women didn't do it because they were trying to get fame or kind to get noticed. They were doing it because they loved what they were doing, you know, and they wanted to make a difference. So, um, yeah, exactly. Well, I was just wondering, like, Anna, how did you even pick the ladies to include in your book? Um, that was a, a interesting vetting process because in writing the book, um, my contract stated I had to include two pictures per each woman, at least. And there some women, there weren't any pictures mm. to find. I, I spent weeks searching just for the photographs. It was fun, but it took a lot of time. And, you know, I got to meet their families, which was kind of fun and ask permission. It became a, a game to get all the pictures. Um, <laughs> but also with the women, um, I kind of wanted to pick women that had some kind of story from their childhood. Each chapter had to be a story rather than a Wikipedia page. Mm. So it had to be interesting. And it's the book is for young adults. Um, so, you know, it had to appeal to young adult readers. But um, third graders have read my book, you know, 90 year old 
people have read my book, you know, so I, I, I feel it's uh, written for all ages. 30 some year olds have read your book. Yeah. I was going to say, who would agree? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I have a really hard time narrowing people down. So I like your process. I, and I started thinking about, man, if I had to like talk to the families of all the ladies that we talk about, that's a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it became a game to me, you know, and um, I'm not sure if I told you guys this before, but the original title of the book was um, up until right before publication, it was called um, The House That Jill Built. And uh, it's just so funny that that's, you know, what we've been calling it all along. But when they showed it to marketing, they didn't really completely get the title. So um, they asked me, is there another title you can come up with? And since I, this is my favorite thing to do, I'm like, oh, sure. So I came up with 50 titles and my favorite one, they, they wound up picking. So, um, with Men of Steel and Stone. I like the house that Joe wrote, uh, Joe built. It's cute, but there's something about Women of Steel and Stone. It just, it proves what all these women were. Badasses. That's you know? right. right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Strong builders. Right. Yeah, because they had to be strong with all of the pushback and whatnot that they were dealing with. So, yeah. On your website, you have more women of steel and stone where you include the stories of more amazing ladies. So do you have any plans to add more profiles on your website in the future? Or and are some of those women women who didn't make it into the book because you couldn't uh, get pictures for whatever reason and that kind of thing, like they didn't make it? Yeah, or the timeline and stuff like that. That that's a great question, and um, you make a valid point there. Um, there's just so many women that I've come across since writing the book that I'm like, people need to hear the story. Yeah. Um, so you know, I just put it out there on my blog, um, um, the Women of Action series at Chicago Review Press. Um, they're tending to make more books that include women who took action. So, you know, a a sequel, I don't know if they would have, these women would be actually taking action, you know, Mm -hmm. so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I like that you're still telling their story that you, you don't give up. You're still finding, you're still putting it out there. Yeah. Yeah. And then I put on social media. I just, you know, it just excites me and people need to hear about them, you know? And so the future needs to be shown. You know, the mentors, as you guys are doing fabulously. Oh, thank you. That means everything. Actually, did you find similarities between the 22 women that you discussed in your book? Yeah, that's what surprised me at the end is that all of a sudden it dawned on me that there was a couple of things these women had in common. Um, One is that they all had supportive parents. I just said, wow, that is so true. You know, they, back in those days, my early um, architects and engineers, um, women were not supposed to go to college. They were supposed to raise a family. And so these women in my book, they had supported their parents. They also had a lot of passion. Uh, Yes, they all were doing it not to become famous architects or engineers. They were doing it because they all had a passion for Engineering, math, architecture, um, creating safe buildings and safe environments for people. So, yeah. Yeah. Those are similarities that we've found in our stories as well. Yeah. Even in our own stories of supportive families, 
But another, I mean, thank goodness for their supportive families because they also had a lack of role models, right? They didn't right, see right. themselves in mm-hmm. those environments. They're usually the only one in their in the spaces that they were in. The only woman in their class, the only woman in their firm. Mm-hmm. So I would I would also say they were all very brave too, right? Yeah, for breaking <laughs> into the profession and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And resilient. Yeah. yeah, totally. I think that's what I like the most about their stories, like learning about these brave ladies. Yes. And I just did a presentation on um, Ruth um, Schnapps. Um, and I love to tell a story how she loved math. And she used to, her phrase was that she saved math for dessert. And I just feel <laughs> like that is such a great tagline for STEM and math. And, you know, it's, um, and she just pursued um, structural engineering because of the math. So I thought that was cute. And then my, my landscape designers, they liked math and art. So um, they were able to incorporate those two things in their um, professions. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I don't know if I, I, uh, I agree with Ruth. I'm not a math for <laughs> dessert. It's more like a trip to the dentist to do my math homework. Like, I don't want to do it. I just got to do it. Um, but I like the art part. Um, and math yeah. was the hardest, like structures and math class was always the hardest for me to, to, to do. But, but thank goodness now, for I survived, the roots I made of it. the world who want to do it, yes. right? I mean. Yes, thank God for the roots. Um, <laughs> but Anna, what was the hardest part about writing your book? And what would you tell women struggling in their search for mentors? The hardest part was um, finding the background and um, mm. finding research that was correct Mm. yes and um because they weren't that well known and so like even um annie brazil i think that's how you pronounce her name um her middle name was i found it like all sorts of different versions and i sent the uh, manuscript to her for her chapter and she said no that's not my middle name so it's you know as you have found there's so much information out there that's not necessarily true and so that was kind of the hardest part is uh really digging down and that was fun it was a game to me you know it's digging in and getting finding primary primary sources to tell the truth the true story of these women was there a second part of that question Oh, uh, what would you tell women struggling in their search for mentors? Wow. Um, read my book. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it helps that's a good us. answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good place to start. And um, even in product design, um, there's, you know, not a lot of um, research, but actually um, the um, Industrial Design Society of America have a lot of women's groups now that they're um, doing um, seminars and um, lectures. And it's kind of exciting that, you know, how things are changing, even within the last eight years since I wrote the book, because I wrote it, then it had to be edited. And, you know, it took a while. (laughs) Yeah, hope that answers your question. No, that's true. I like that you brought up the Industrial Designers of America, because what we've talked about um, in other podcasts and uh, amongst ourselves is the power of peer-to-peer mentoring. So like mm-hmm. having each other to kind of be our mentors, we offer advice, we offer guidance to one another. It, it Like sometimes it's hard to look for someone that's 
um, at the career level that you might want to achieve. Right. But going to like your friend group, your alumni, your organizations that and um, associations that are related to your field. It can really it, it's I mean, we're here. <laughs> we're here because the yeah, three of yeah. us, we offer each other advice. And right. I spoke a few years ago at the We Built Environment. Now, what was it called? It was a uh, conference in downtown Chicago with about 100 women that were working in the building environment. Um, and it was just such a great environment and uh, very positive and exciting. And so um, I was very honored that they asked me to there and to come and speak about my my ladies. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds amazing. I was actually wondering if your book changed your thinking about women in STEM or if there were thoughts you had before writing the book that solidified once you finished, like it could go either way. Right. Right. Um, I just was so excited to find these women, you know, and tell their stories. And I still am obnoxious, you know, promoting them and um, just um, getting the word out. And so that we do change how parents perceived STEM fields and women in STEM. Um, there was a research done a few years ago that um, they found that one of the largest deterrents was parents pushing their, their daughters into other fields besides um, STEM careers. And I'm talking, you know, we know how um, strong STEM is on social media that we're finding, but in the entire United States, you know, as you look at all the young girls is that one of the, um, the factors is that the parents are um, making them go into other fields besides STEM because they feel that STEM is not, would be hard for them, you know, and they want mm. their children to be successful. So um, the parents tend to steer them into other fields. My challenge is to like, let all the parents and teachers, you know, know that this is an important topic and that there was some awesome women who um, paved the field and awesome women who are, currently in the field. So it goes back to what we've been talking about supportive families. Yeah, exactly. And that being like a key factor in girls feeling like they can continue on in that desire to go into that profession. So when I was growing up, my dad, you know, working in engineering, he just basically let me do anything I wanted to do, you know, so um, they did not tell me one way or the other. Now, as I'm thinking about it, you know, um, and I did help my dad in um, his office. So I was kind of work, used to working in that environment. But when I was trying to decide which field to go into, um, I went to a dean at um, industrial design department. He was explaining to me what an industrial designer does. And then he said to me, and also, there's a lot of guys in the class. And I'm like, I, it didn't dawn on me until later. It's like, really? <laughs> He's selling these guys that are available, you know, in his class. The but. dating pool. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Look at all these eligible bachelors. I know, I know. You know, so I did not feel uncomfortable at all because I had been in a male environment working from my dad's office. So, yeah, you um, had had that exposure before and that kind of thing. Yeah. And I'm just surprised things are still that way. You know, I, I, know. I graduated in... 86, you know, and so, you know, I, what I've been hearing is that schools are um, a little bit better, but it is hard. Yeah, that's true. There is data out there that schools are becoming a little bit more equal or equitable in terms of uh, 
the students. Uh, mm-hmm. The faculty is another uh, less than to be desired. And then there's something that happens when you enter into the workforce and into the yeah. profession that there's still work to be done. <laughs> Interesting. Well, you guys have a great take on that, you know, so you guys had had so much to the podcast with your backgrounds. So Aww. very cool. Yeah. My women, too, that they wanted me to do, you know, historically women who are engineers and architects, but they also wanted me to add some um, more current ones. So um, mm. so I had a broad range of different women. Yeah. So I wasn't always with all the women just trying to dig in and find the historical ones, but I do have some current ones in the book too. So Judy Ninch um, and I play uh, Words with Friends every day. So um, it's just <laughs> kind of so fun. fun. That's so cool. Fun, the connections that I've made with the book. So anyway, yeah, a lot of connections, a lot of wonderful <laughs> just people. Yeah. Casually doing Words with Friends and Judy Ninch. Yeah, she's the only person that beats me too. So it's a little frustrating. Oh, I see. So there's competition involved. Friends have like gone, I'm not going to play with you anymore. And I'm like, what? You know, and then Judy beats me. And I'm like, but wait, you know? Anyway. That's funny. Well, so we actually learned about your book through a friend of mine who's a listener. Shout out to Jenny. She's a civil engineer and she bought the book for herself. And I went to her house one day and she was telling me about it. And she was saying, I'm reading this book about women architects and engineers and you have to read it. So I'm going to buy it for you. Um, and I'll fully admit that I had the book for a little while and I hadn't had a chance to read it. And then when Nergity came to to me with the idea about the podcast, it seemed like an obvious place to start researching. And it turned out to be such a great resource for us to kind of get into the history of these women. And like you said, there's such a good range of like women who are working today versus women in history and that kind of thing. So and their professions. Yeah, exactly. I did not know that story. That is so cute. Yeah. um, Yeah, I thought, yeah. Yeah, when Lizzie said, when Lizzie mentioned that book, and I mean, we are, we have this podcast, we were like, I bought the book too, and we've definitely used it for some of our ladies throughout the season. Like, if you look at my copy of the book, I have post-its galore of like, okay, that's from season one, season two, potential (laughs) lady for another season, like, just all of that, which actually, that brings us to why we are here today. Because we are proud to announce that Anna has graciously offered to give away a few copies of her book, just like Jenny did, so our listeners can keep learning as well. So, yay! yay! We go give Thank away you so some much, books. Anna. Oh, of course, of course. This is fabulous. <laughs> so, Anna has three signed copies of the book that we've been talking about this whole time Women of Steel and Stone, and that's what we're going to be giving away. So listeners, to enter, be sure to follow She Builds Podcast on Instagram. Like our upcoming post about this giveaway. Comment on the post tagging two of your besties. And we'll pick three people who entered as winners. Unfortunately, we can only ship books in the U.S. So sorry to our international listeners. We'll send you something next time. Yes. So now for some dates and deadlines. So log on to Instagram right now and look for posts on the She Builds Podcast Instagram homepage to follow, comment and tag. And you'll have one week to enter and check back on Instagram when we announce the winners there. 
So, Anna, thank you so much for your generosity and for taking the time to meet with us again. And we are really excited for this giveaway. Yes. Yes, so am I. And thank you guys for this fabulous podcast. I've told you guys a million times that I listen to you guys. I talk with you and I (laughs) laugh with you. And I'm like, it's like, you don't know that I'm doing that. But every every episode is so well done and and it's entertaining and educational and i i talk about it a lot you <laughs> guys you. might know that so thank you we we laugh at ourselves too when we listen back yeah. so <laughs> when we it's not, as we, it's not as weird if you do it so. <laughs> <laughs> well anna this conversation like every time we talk to you has been really great and we've decided it would be fun to end with one question in our regular episodes, we pick a karyatid or a woman who's working today holding up the profession, as you know. So, Anna, who is a karyatid whose work you're admiring right now? This is a fabulous question. Um, and I love all the women that you guys have profiled. Um, and I, thinking about it, I have to go with a woman who is working in industrial design. Um, and it's Tai Cheng. And um, I'll read her um, bio. Um, She's an industrial designer, entrepreneur, activist, passionate about designing beautiful products for women. Uh, She's the co-founder and VP of design of Crave. And she leads the design vision of the company's products that has been the leading voice in bringing modern pleasure products to the mainstream. I won't go through and list all her awards she's won, but what... um, I came across an article she wrote back in uh, January, um, and it's called Industrial Design, Why Is It Still a Man's World? Mm. Um, And the one thing that stood out to me the most in this beautiful article was um, the designing of uh, car seats and that um, seatbelts were designed for people with, weren't designed for people with breasts. Mm -hmm. Seatbelts by design Mm. are uncomfortable for most women and um, uh, because seatbelts were, were designed for men, women are 47 more likely to be seriously injured in a car crash than a man. 71 more likely to be moderately injured and 17 more likely to die. So that just shows that we need men and women designing all the products. So anyway, I just I love what she's written and how she's speaking about women in the fields. Oh, that's so great. Yeah, actually, I've heard something about that before. And it's it's shocking, like that they're only using male test dummies in the with the seatbelts for cars and stuff like that and the tests. I'm glad that she is writing and or like speaking out about that. And when I talk about STEM products or STEM fields, is that um, um, STEM fields, engineering and architecture, they are creating um, safe environments and safe products, you know? And so I feel that both when it, men and women should be, you know, in those fields, you know, so, um, and try not to make a STEM sound scary, you know, it's just making our environment safe. If we want to create a more inclusive environment, we need more inclusive designers to do it. So if, if a woman was, they're designing that seatbelt, we probably would have had better seatbelts and a more uh, safer uh, mortality rate in car crash. Just, yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
So I love this. I think hopefully we can get some buzz on social media to keep this conversation going. Um, so yes, that's actually how we met you, Anna, is that you you reached out to us on social media. We saw these like retweets and likes coming all of a sudden one night and us girls were like freaking out because here's the author of this like incredible book that we've been like using <laughs> as like our Bible for the, the whole show and all that stuff. So it was just so great to connect with you then. And like now here we are recording an episode, talking to you. So Anna, I guess... Where can our listeners find you on social media so that they can connect with you as well? Um, on Twitter, I'm Anna M. Lewis. And Instagram, I'm Anna M. Lewis author. <laughs> Sorry, I can't think. And then I have a, a, a Facebook author page also. And then my website, which is AnnaMLewis.com. Cool. We'll be sure yeah. to include that in our show notes too, because you're yes. awesome. <laughs> uh, well, this has been great. Thanks again for listening and look out for season four in August. Yes. So please let us know what you thought of our episode. Tell your friends. Give us five stars on iTunes. Write us a review. Yes. You can email us your thoughts at shebuildspodcast at gmail.com. Leave a comment on our website, shebuildspodcast.com. Or follow us on Instagram and Facebook at shebuildspodcast and on Twitter at shebuildspod. Until then. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye, guys. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders, Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that <laughs> then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh my the one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success.